Hi, this is Peter Diamandis, back with Exponential Wisdom. And uh, as always, a pleasure to be spending time with my dear friend, Dan Sullivan, the head of Strategic Coach. Dan, how you doing? Well, I'm feeling very virtually real today, <laughs> Peter. I mean, we're doing our best with uh, very, very low-tech equipment here because it seems even though we can see each other and we can talk to each other from 3,000 miles, this is just a little taste of what's coming with the exploration of our next topic, which is the VR and AR world. We had a wonderful guide at Abundance 360. Yeah. Philip Rosedale, creator of Second Life. I'm an advisor to his company, High Fidelity, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But Philip and I resonate well because when I was a space cadet at age, you know, eight, nine, through my teenage years, he has been thinking about virtual reality since his childhood and set out to create the ultimate virtual world. And he created Second Life, which today most people don't realize transacts 800 million US dollars per year in real dollar exchange where people buy goods and services in this virtual world. It's a cool idea. It's now, given the tech we have, it's a little hokey, but his new company, High Fidelity, is about creating virtual worlds that you can live and work and interact in with the fidelity that we saw in the movie Avatar by James Cameron. Let's just back up a little bit because there are two terms here, and I'm not quite sure I have them exactly clear in my mind, Peter, uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. Yeah. Could you talk about the distinction between Absolutely. these? Perhaps suggest to people where they're already experiencing this, where they're starting to see this. Absolutely. So we're all living in reality, meaning we look around and photons light reflects off the surface of a chair or a table, a wall, goes into your eyes and your retina in the back of the eye registers the photon, sends the signal through your optic nerve to the visual cortex of your brain and you see something. Now imagine if instead of seeing the light coming through your eyes, you put on a headset. If you've been conscious over the last two years, you probably heard of Oculus Oculus Rift bought by Facebook. And this is a VR headset that basically puts a computer screen very close to your eyes, but with the lenses that allows it to focus. And what the photons that go into the back of your eye, to your retina, to your optical nerve, to your visual cortex, those photons are created by a computer. And a virtual world where everything you're seeing is computer generated, it's not real. And you start to see, you could all of a sudden jump into a make-believe world, a virtual world. And as you move your head, the accelerometers on the headset move the image as well. So you look up, you look down, and you can look around this virtual world. And that's virtual reality. Augmented reality is when you mix real reality and virtual reality. So imagine instead of a screen that blocks out the world, a see-through screen that you can still see the world around you, but then you see superimposed on that light generated by a computer. So in the augmented reality, you can be looking at your table and seeing floating over the table a Mickey Mouse or whatever character you want that's computer generated. But as you look at this character floating over the table, you can't tell the difference between is it real or computer generated. And it's the mixing of a computer world and the real world is augmented reality. You look on the wall and you see a, a large TV stuck on the wall that isn't actually there. 
It's the photons as if they were coming from the TV Mm -hmm. entering your visual cortex. Peter, would the following thing actually go into the augmented reality world? And it's in the area of skilled labor. I think this is going to be a huge place where this type of technology is used. You can take someone off the street and put on a pair of goggles and say, this afternoon you're going to take apart an engine and put an engine back together, and they can see the exact steps on their goggles of which thing they unscrew first and they take that off. Would that be augmented reality? Yeah, that's exactly. It's augmented reality. I mean, literally put you in front of a stove and have you cook a cordon bleu meal or in front of a V8 engine and have you take it apart because your augmented reality goggles are seeing what you're seeing and then superimposing arrows saying, pick this up, Mm -hmm. sprinkle it here, untwist this bolt, giving you instructions that are dead obvious to you because it's in your visual field and you exactly what to do because it's showing you Mm -hmm. like a person literally showing you physically what to do next step. And so augmented reality is going to change our world in so many different ways. So at this year's Abundance 360, my go-to expert is Philip Rosedale. We brought him on stage and we said to him, Philip, take us through what you consider the most significant breakthroughs in the last two to three years in virtual reality and augmented reality. And then let's talk about what you're excited about in the next two to three years going forward. So his recent breakthroughs, the first one, very important, follow the money is the old saying. And he said, listen, over the last couple of years, we've seen Facebook, Sony, HTC, Google, Qualcomm, Microsoft, all investing billions of dollars in developing augmented and virtual reality technology. So really important. Major companies are launching products, making huge investments in this because It is the way all of us, we don't know it yet, but all of us are going to be using this in every aspect of our lives in the next three years. I find it quite amazing, and I had actually an experience. There was a company that your bold uh, venture, Bold Capital, has just invested in, and we're part of your fund as investors. We were given an invitation to come to one of the rooms at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. We went in one at a time. And you went in and you put a visor on and you were standing in front of a table. And what transpired over the next 10 minutes was quite the most amazing show I'd ever seen of objects appearing in front of my eyes, the globe, the planet Earth. And they could lay out in front of me five TV screens that looked like TV (laughs) screens. And then I could make them 10 TV screens. Each of them had something different. And I could actually touch the screens and actually activate a particular program. So I got a real sense of that, and I was quite amazed. The only thing I can say is I walked out of the room and I said, wow, that's quite amazing. That's magic. It totally is magic. The company you're referring to is called Meta, and it's going to be one of the major augmented reality companies in the business application realm. You'll see companies like Magic Leap in the entertainment realm. The next thing that Philip brought up major breakthrough in the last couple of years is the development of hand controllers. And he said most recently it's the Samsung Rink, R-A-N-K. The notion is that seeing the virtual world is important, but being able to interact with the virtual world makes it really magical. And so hand controllers are part of that. And that's what you were explaining with Meta. Mm -hmm. The next one he said, and we're going to see a lot of that this year, 
is the development of photogrammetric capabilities like Tango and Lytro. And what this is, is technology that's coming out of Intel right now and Google, where you'll be able to take your phone that will have a couple of cameras on it and your cell phone and basically just show the room to your phone and just sort of like pan your phone over the room, over every object, and your phone will image and digitize everything in the room in high resolution, in exact position and orientation. And it's like scanning a room and downloading it into a virtual reality engine. Mm -hmm. I mean, the real estate industry is going to go crazy with this. Amazing, right? I mean, I will never again on a Sunday travel for an hour through traffic to go and see an open house. (laughs) I'll do it at midnight when it's convenient Mm -hmm. because my VR goggles are going to allow me to inspect every corner. And I'll be able to look at the room, the living room, and say, I wonder how this room would look like if it had a green instead of a red paint and with my furniture in Mm -hmm. it and have it all sort of like instantly flipped where I can see what I want to see. I'd be knocking out walls. (laughs) (laughs) Think about the travel industry where you're giving people a taste of what it's like, where you're actually going. Yeah. The fourth thing that Philip brought up is the recent signals that Apple was going to enter this VR and AR space because of their recent acquisitions and patents they're filing. And I think he was excited about this because Apple is such a trendsetter. And I think the notion that future iPhones may all be headgear. Mm-hmm. And then finally, that on January 6th, Oculus announced pre-orders of their next Oculus system and headset. And I think they sold out in like an hour. Yeah, <laughs> It's crazy. Here's something, Peter. I mean, you're a world speaker and you're in much demand around the world. Let's go down the road just a few years and talk about you just being at home and actually speaking in Dubai. There's still going to be conferences where people show up and you would be there. Or if for some reason you had to travel, you could also be home that night with your family and they would see you in the room and you'd be talking to them about the day and and this is going to happen, you know, and it doesn't take up any space. The interesting thing, none of this takes up any space. It really are going to transform travel and conferences and all of this. And I put out a weekly blog every Sunday. And if you're not signed up for it and you want to consider getting it, it's a technology blog. If you go to diamandis.com, you can sign up for the blog there. I wrote one over Thanksgiving that was the realization of what Thanksgiving is going to be like in the future. You know, my sister lives in Greece. My mom is in Florida. My mother-in-law is in Seattle. We're like all over the world. But it will not be too distant future where you can all sit at one dinner table together. Mm-hmm. You can look at the person across from you and they'll be there. As you look over there, they are looking back at you and you can have a conversation Or the person can be not full life in the chair. They can be standing on the table in front of you or floating in the air above you, wherever you want Mm -hmm. them to be. And it's going to change how we do it. And I am so ready to not hop on another 16-hour flight to Dubai. Now, having said that, listen, taking a shower at 40,000 feet, which I did on the way there and the way back on an Airbus A380 is an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. But... I I would trade it for being able to wake up my own bed. The interesting thing is going to be people's response to this. And I sort of got an insight into that a long time ago, maybe 25, 30 years ago. PBS Masterpiece Theater had a 
predecessor of Downton Abbey. It was called Upstairs, Downstairs. I used to watch it. It was about upstairs life and downstairs in sort of Victorian England or Edwardian right around 1900. And I can remember the incident when they brought their first telephone into the house. The butler was in charge of the telephone. Nobody could answer the phone except the butler. And the first time it rang, he got to it late because he was putting on his coat to answer the phone. He wanted to make sure he had his coat on, and he says, hello. <laughs> you know, And it was kind of interesting <laughs> because you could see that he was moving from one world to another world, but he was bringing all his habits from the old world into the new world. <laughs> you know, And there's another story about when Gutenberg first created the first books. A lot of the books originally were religious books, and there was a bishop who had written a book, and he had Gutenberg run it off, and there were 500 copies. And Gutenberg more or less did it for free because it was going to be such great advertising if the bishop got behind this technology. And then he waited and he thought maybe, you know, a week or two weeks he would hear back from the bishop's house and there was no answer and it was three months and it was four months. And finally he made discreet inquiries into what did the bishop think of the book and he said, well, he hasn't finished proofreading them all yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so yeah, funny. Yeah, because he was still... Old mental models. He had not adjusted to the new world. And I think that a lot of what you're talking about here with virtual and augmented reality is really about... We're going to look sort of foolish at first because our whole instincts are of physical reality and time and space, and it takes time to make movement, and here it's going to be instantaneous. In the future, I mean, we're going to look back at exponential wisdom in 2016 of how crude it was. You know, in the future, we're just sitting in the same room and we're chatting to each other, and the product that the people who plug into exponential wisdom, they'll get that room available to them. and They'll be sitting in the room with us. That's exactly right. Yeah, and it'd be a million people, each individually feeling like they're only with us. And just a dollar each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, right? Because I'll give you an example of the way this is going to change business. I was having this conversation with somebody. I said, listen, I own a Tesla Model S and I have a Model X coming in like two weeks. I'm excited to get it. They said, you know, the future is you're going to go to a virtual showroom and you'll get into a virtual car sitting next to you in the passenger seat will be Elon Musk giving you a personal tour and pitch on the car. Mm -hmm. And the best salesman in the company, whether it's Elon or maybe it's Steve Jobs come back yeah. to life, will be giving you the pitch. And it's one to infinite mm -hmm. on that regard. Yeah. And that's where we're heading in augmented reality or virtual reality. So let's talk about Philip's anticipated breakthroughs mm -hmm. over the next uh, three years. Uh, the first one's very exciting. He said, 4K screen resolution matches brain input. Now, this is very important because if you are a techie or camera person or video camera person, know these formats like 1080p, it has to do with the size of the dots on the screen and the number of dots on the screen. We have 1080p, then we had 2K screens, and we're now heading to 4K screens. There is a point at which the resolution of the video screen you're looking at is so high that you can no longer see the pixels, and your brain can't tell whether you're looking at reality 
or computer-generated reality. And that transition point is somewhere between 4K and 8K. But at 8K, you can't tell. And we're now at 4K screens. And so we're going to be very near in a future where the VR goggles, you put them on and it looks like, oh, my God, I'm really there. Mm Mm-hmm. The K in this, is that pixels per square inch? It's thousands, 4,000 pixel images. I'll give you an example. Recently, I put on one of the technologies we demonstrated at Button 360 was a company called ADI. They do capture in three dimensions, and then you can walk around in a virtual world. And as you walk, you walk in this virtual world. As you move your head, you move the head in the virtual world and so forth. And so they put me into a scene of the Grand Canyon. And what was extraordinary was that I walked up to the ledge of the Grand Canyon and I'm looking over the ledge. I'm looking around and I tried with all my might to take a step off the ledge (laughs) and I couldn't do it. I had to actually close my eyes and just step forward. Because it was so real. (laughs) Every fiber, every strand of DNA in my body was saying, do not kill yourself. It was insane. Yeah. So that's where 4K or 8K can get us. That's a pretty primal one in the human evolution. (laughs) (laughs) Do not jump off the tree branch. Yeah, gravity (laughs) rules all. The next one, which is so great, is the eye-tracking technology that Philip talked about. Yeah, it's... Eye tracking, and there's a company I'm a huge fan of called iFluence, again, another company I'm an advisor to, is that there's now technology that can track your eye. And it turns out that when you think you're seeing high resolution, you're not. It's actually in the scene of your brain, you've got the fovea, which is where the part of the retina where you have the highest concentration of rods and cones. And that's what you're looking in high resolution. So everything in your periphery of your vision is actually low resolution. It's just where you're looking for forward. And so if you can track the eye, your screens could potentially drive high resolution images only where you're looking and then have lower resolution where you're not looking. And so it reduces the computational load Mm -hmm. on the computer generating these 3D scenes in the future. The next one is face tracking in your head-mounted displays will make real appearance perfectly conveyed. Philip's doing this in his company called High Fidelity, where when I'm looking at a character in the virtual world, all of the tics and all of the expressive nature of your eyebrows and your mouth, and so all of that is being tracked and put onto your virtual character. So when you look at somebody... In a virtual world, they can convey actual mm-hmm. real emotion, right? You're picking it up on my face, and I'm conveying it to the avatar representing me in the virtual world. Mm-hmm. His next was that augmented reality will eliminate the needs for TV and screens. And this is a fascinating, fascinating notion. So today, in the room I'm in right now, I see three computer screens and a large Sharp is the manufacturer of the screen in front of me. At home, I've got in my bedroom and in my living room, a large flat screen TV where if I'm brain dead at night, I want to sit down and see something. In the future, all of these screens will be gone, Mm -hmm. as will your cell phone screen, which I forgot to mention, or my screen on my watch. Because if you're wearing augmented reality glasses, 
I can project as big a screen or as many screens as I want on any wall. And what is going on with Lytro and with Google's Tango is I can register exactly where the walls are and you can stick a virtual screen on the wall and it doesn't move. It just stays right there. You had an experience with Meta doing that a little bit. Yeah, it was quite remarkable how much I was into it. And then actually the guide who had brought me in the room He actually appeared in the presentation, you know, and he talked to me in the presentation. I mean, he was altered. It wasn't totally realistic, but it was very, very clear that he was in there. One thing that I've always dealt with in Coach Peter with all this technology, even though there's a general availability of amazing capabilities in the world, it all really, really depends upon what your local purposes are, how much of these that you'll actually use. And so what I've been telling people, we have tools like the impact filter. And my feeling is that the kind of thinking that's going to have to be learned is, look, you're in a world of abundance. You can have absolutely anything you want to do. You can do almost anything you want to do. But you're going to have to be really, really clear about your purposes in life. I was talking about the scorecard that was created for this Abundance 360 And on the second day, I talked to a lot of the people who were in the 10 Times program and coach. They're used to the scorecard because of the one that they do in the workshops. And they said, you know, it was really helpful to have the scorecard because we were able to listen to the convergences and we were able to watch the performance on stage. But we were able to identify that part of what Peter was telling us as being something that we would work on immediately. And a lot of the stuff is off into the future. So this ability to prioritize, the ability to focus, the ability to have intentions is going to have to go up amazing. It's going to have to go up exponentially if people aren't just going to be paralyzed and numbed by the availability of these technologies. And experiment and play and not fear Mm -hmm. and find new applications. Just because we're running late on time, let me hit the last couple Philip talks about VR impacting conferences and travel. We've talked about that, that manufacturing industries will be disrupted with new interfaces, and that's where Mm -hmm. Meta is doing their work. And the final one is that we're going to start to see a massive increase in the use of wireless headsets and hand controllers, the hand controllers so you can interact with the digital world, and the wireless headsets, because today a lot of the high bandwidth systems are tethered. You have to wear a wire plugged into your computer or wherever it might be. But we're going to get gigabit wireless connections that will allow you to walk around wirelessly. Ultimately, the vision being that we're all going to wear this stuff all the time because you'll feel naked Mm -hmm. without them. Yeah, I mean, that must have been the experience of the crossover from not having any clothes and clothes. You know. <laughs> but let me ask you a question, Peter. You're sipping from the ultimate fire hydrant on the planet with all your research into all these different things. When you line up a year like 2016, how do you break down these things for your own personal use? I mean, you got the business side and then you have the personal side. I think everybody would love to hear how you think about this because you're almost unrestricted in input, but in terms of what actually becomes a practical improvement? Great question. It's pretty simple. We all have a limited amount of time, and we all want to maximize two things, impact and pleasure. 
So when I look at these technologies, I'm looking at how does it save me time, right? I'm just buying a new airplane because I want to save that hour going through TSA and the pleasure of their pat-down searches. I want to use technologies like even as the podcast here or my Beam robots that I use to save me time, but also to have an impact on people's life. And VR and AR to be able to impact and educate people or to have more enjoyable experiences. And that's pretty it. Technology is about saving us time, giving us access to new stuff that allows us to have more impact on the things we care about and enjoy our time more every day. Mm -hmm. I measure that, I experiment, I try, I share, and I watch, and I look at the data. I was watching an interview with Jeff Bezos, and I think the other side of what we're doing here in Exponential Wisdom, the interviewer with Jeff Bezos was saying, what do you see changing most over the next 10 years? And he said, you know, that's a really interesting question. But he says, actually, you base your most powerful strategies on what's going to be the same 10 years from now. So that would be an interesting podcast. I would love that. Let's definitely note that down. And it's also one of the subjects I'm going to be focusing on in Abundance 360 next year, on this 25-year journey. Yeah. What isn't going to change? Yeah. would love to warm it up with you on that. Very exciting. A pleasure, pal. I love these times with you. And I hope folks are getting a lot of value out of this because that's why we do this. Thank you a lot. See you soon. See you, pal.